0: Hey guys, welcome to the Tales of Moxie podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Lee, and I'm so glad that you're here. I created this podcast with the simple desire of wanting women to have a place to share their stories. Our stories are so powerful, and God's fingerprints are evident throughout them all. So each week, I sit down with another woman who is brave enough to share her story with us. We talk all the things with no judgment. While each story is unique to the person telling it, I find that I see myself in all of them, and I'm sure that you will too. Welcome to season two of the Tales of Moxie podcast. I am so excited to introduce our first person that we interviewed for this season. Melissa Zaldivar. This one is so fun to me because I've known Melissa since I was in high school. I went to high school with her, I played on the golf team with her. We had some crazy fun memories and it was so fun to get a chance to sit down and talk with her again. She is one of the coolest, kindest, and funniest people that I have ever met and I know you're going to love her too. After high school, she went on to get a master's in theology from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. She's also a first time author with her first book coming out in August. I couldn't be more excited and I know that you guys guys are going to love this conversation. We talk all things women and the word, diving into scripture. Um, grab a pen, sit down and relax because she really gives us some things to think about and some awesome things to, to kind of move forward with. I will also put a link with it about the things that she mentions at the end. She talks about some Bible studies and some different women to check out. I will link those to the podcast as well. In the meantime, enjoy and thanks for tuning in to season two. Well, welcome to the Tales of Moxie podcast. This is our first episode of season two, and we are really excited because we get to welcome Melissa Zaldivar to be our first guest. It's been years since I have talked with her, but I have loved, Melissa, following your journey and kind of seeing you on Facebook and Instagram, and so much has happened since the girl that I used to golf with in high school. (laughs) I am just so excited to hear what, what's been going on and what God has had happen in your life and the way that it's all worked out. So welcome. Thanks for making time for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm really glad to be here. Um, We had a little bit of technical craziness for the listeners who are (laughs) listening right now. So it's like we've been talking for 45 minutes. Yes. (laughs) You just couldn't hear me. So it's fine.
0: Um, that is So yeah, cute. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Well, if you don't mind kind of telling our listeners and, and us what, what's what been going on, what where have you been led to and drawn to, and kind of what is your life like? If you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll just jump right in.
1: Great. So, the, I mean, really the question is like, what's your jam? <laughs> what are your jams? Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, so I grew up in the same town. Um, as as generally and it's been so fun like you know like you're saying we knew each other in high school um, after high school I ended up going to a Bible college which I never really wanted to do I didn't want to go to a Christian school because in my mind I was afraid it would in some way make my faith feel like very like heady and intellectual and I remember telling my sister that I felt like I was going to have to be dissecting God like on a cold metal mm-hmm. table and, like, it would ruin our, like, relationship in some way. And so I just didn't know how I felt about a Christian school at all. I wanted to major in English. Um, even from elementary school, people told me that I would write, uh, my teachers and stuff. But um, I, I knew I wanted to study English, maybe. And then through a strange series of events, um, I ended up in Bible college. Um, I ended up going to Moody Bible Institute, which is in Chicago, Illinois. It's a school that's been there for a while and. Um, was founded in the 1800s, and is just really big into, um, like, Bible and theology, and so everyone who goes there, dual majors in whatever their major is, and Bible and theology, so Mm -hmm. I got a degree there, um, and about three years in, realized that I really love um, women in the local church, and helping Christian women um, figure out who God is in a way that feels approachable, but also in a way that's really theologically sound. Um, We often hand theology um, and theological concepts to men um, just Mm -hmm. kind of by default. And what ends up happening is there are a lot of women who could really benefit from like understanding theological things um, without it feeling overwhelming. So my junior year, I kind of realized that, um, that my heart really beats for women in the local church. And so when I graduated the following year, I had a degree in well, Bible and theology, but also film. Um, and I knew that with my communications degree, I wanted to do something. I was also afraid of committing heresy. So mm. I uh, decided to go to seminary. So, right after I finished my four years in Chicago, I did a program for a master's degree in theology at Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary, um, which are, you know, our kind of claim to fame is Tim Keller. And so uh, it's just the sort of place, it's in New England, it's very picturesque, it's like living in a Land's End catalog. I had never been to New England, but I spent three years studying theology and um, Hebrew and a little bit of Greek and all of that kind of stuff. Um, And I used to tell people I wanted to work in the nonprofit sector, maybe like for some organization that's passionate about telling women who God is uh, and why it matters in their daily life. And so I went from there, I was an intern um with if gathering, which if you're familiar with if it's a you know large um discipling sort of discipleship uh, collective like it's a it's an organization that is passionate about teaching women who God is. And so I went and worked there and then I bebopped on over to Nashville um and through a very strange series of events uh working in the nonprofit sector and whatnot I landed where I am now which is um I ended up connecting with um well, I ended up I ended up writing for um, some devotionals, and someone at a publishing house read one of my devotionals and emailed me and said, "Do you want to write a book?" Which is not a normal story mm-hmm. for most authors. Um, usually, it's a lot more complicated. But I just sort of went with it, one step at a time. And uh, my agent, my literary agent, is actually his wife used to cut my hair in college, wow. which is pretty cool. Um, We have all these connections and it just so happens that he's an agent. And so he took a look at my proposal for my book and felt like it was something he wanted to represent. And so I get to do work alongside people I actually know in real life, which is really fun. Mm. Um, And so now my first book is uh, releasing in August of 2019. So we're about eight months out, which is exciting and terrifying because I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I trust that like if the Lord's in it something will happen, which has sort of gotten me to where I am now.
0: Wow. That's, there's so much in that. One of the things that I think is amazing is how you said that you were so against going to a Bible college yet. You were like Bible college and then seminary and (laughs)
1: like
0: you, you went head first girl. (laughs) I
1: I really did. And I think part of it was because I had a misunderstanding. Someone said to me recently that, one of the only degrees uh, where you have more questions raised and more cynicism raised, uh, the more you're educated in it, is the theological mm-hmm. field, because a lot of people think that we're trying to over-intellectualize or things like that, and someone is saying, you know, if somebody has a PhD in almost any topic— you would probably like feel like their opinion is like, oh, like they really have like thought about this. Mm -hmm. And so someone who say like is a doctor of medicine, like you're going to trust their opinion about medicine. But theology is one of those degrees, unfortunately, that people are like, oh yeah, you have a theological degree. Like, let me ask you a bunch of hard theological questions (laughs) and try to like tell you that I know more than you. Like it's a very like intense Mm -hmm. degree to have. Um, But I think once I kind of got in there and I, I had professors who wept over scripture and the beauty of the gospel, I think I realized, oh, this is actually um, answering the call, which a lot of people um, have, they don't realize is realize—is—is—is a need, which, uh, you know, it's answering the call of what do we do with a generation that's pretty biblically illiterate, we would say, mm-hmm. um, that don't really understand scripture, that don't really dig into scripture in our daily lives. And, you know, we'll say, oh, well, I read my Bible for, for four minutes last week or twice this week, I feel like I'm doing pretty well, but it's like, you know, you as someone, you know, someone who's married, it's like, if you were to say that about your husband, like, oh yeah, like we talked for five minutes once this week, I would be like, oh gosh, like, are you guys okay? Mm -hmm. Like, I would wonder, you know, because When we build build a relationship with God, um, but we do that apart from really digging into time with him and an understanding of who he is and seeing him in a right way, not just in the way we want to see him and this sort of picture we have of this cosmic vending machine who's just there to give us whatever we want, um, then we're able to really actually engage in a relationship that I think we're meant to engage with. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that takes talking about theology or digging into scripture and what it really means. Um, and so I think it's it's a labor of love that is misunderstood. But now that I've spent all these years in theological education, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, actually, uh, the more you know, the more you realize that God is a lot bigger than you thought he was. Mm. And uh, he's a lot more uh, mysterious than you thought. But at the same time, he's also a lot more knowable than you probably realize.
0: Mm. Yeah. So what I mean, for you, the scriptures have, have obviously played a big part. What do you think? the, the missing pieces for our generation in particular in where scripture has kind of taken a back seat because that it isn't as, I don't hear as much women in the word all the time. Um, I mean, they're still showing up to church on Sundays and I know for us, we're in a, you know, we're in a, you know, we're in a time of, of little, little people always needing us and things like that, but maybe the time's not necessarily made. What do you think is pulling us so far away from the scripture right now?
1: Well, I think part of it is like everybody kind of wants like a life hack, right? Like it's mm. this idea of I just want like a quick answer. But in the same way that, you know, to use, I use the marriage analogy a lot. And as a single person, so for those of you listening, I am single. So <laughs> I'm not just like obsessed with marriage or something. But <laughs> in the marriage, you know, <laughs> if you you know, like in the marriage analogy, it's that idea of, um, you can't just like life hack your way through marriage. Like it takes time and it takes intensity. And I think we're often intimidated because we're like, where do I even start? Right. Mm-hmm. The Bible is thousands and thousands of pages long. And it's, you know, there's 56 books in the Bible. And so it's like, Oh, where do I even begin? And if you open to a random page and kind of play Bible roulette, uh. you might end up with some weird story where Jesus like curses a fig tree, or you mm-hmm. might end up with a weird story where like someone, you know, comes back from the dead or like, there's this story, um, with uh, Elijah and Elisha, where Elisha, S-H-A, he comes after Elijah. See, a lot of people don't know there were two very similarly named prophets right after each other, Elijah and Elisha. Elisha is, like, walking, and he's really just distraught because Elijah has just gone up into heaven, and he was, like, his mentor-slash-best friend, and so all of a sudden he doesn't have his friend, and he's devastated and grieving, and all of a sudden, like, these people come out, and they start, they start making fun of him, and then he, like, c- like calls a bunch of, like, female bears to come and, like, attack them because he's angry. And, like, there's stuff like that that you're like, hey, what? Like, you just sicked a bunch of bears on, like, a crowd of people. Like, what is happening? Mm -hmm. And so I think that without context, Mm. uh, we don't fully understand Scripture. But the good news is we can figure out context, right? We can study Scripture in a way that's approachable. So in the same way that if you were to have just passed me on the highway where I'm driving right now, and you were to see me talking into thin air, seemingly, because I'm on this call, you'd be like, what's up with that girl? That's weird. But, like, you don't have the full context. You don't know me. You don't know how I ended up in this conversation. You don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So if you kind of understand, I think part of it is it feels unapproachable because it feels distant from us. Mm. Um, But when we build intimacy with Christ and an understanding of who God is, um, I think that that's a step. And the other step is to really realize that Scripture itself— um, I mean, it was written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. So these are languages. Hebrew still exists, still is spoken today. Koine Greek, not spoken today, but still we understand it. Um, it's not like modern Greek. It's a different kind of language. And so because of this, um, I think that we also realize, have to realize that the Bible is written um, in ways that our English Bibles um, definitely capture. But sometimes you have to dig a little bit deeper to realize how intense some things are in Scripture. Yes. Um, so, for example, in Hebrew, there's this tense, you know, remember tenses in Spanish where it was like the oh, os ah, almost on. Mm-hmm. And it was like you or me or us or we yeah. right? like there are different tenses. And in Hebrew, it's the same way, only sometimes there are different intensities. So there's this one tense called the PL and the PL tense. When a word is written in that tense, it's the difference between I broke my leg and I shattered my leg. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's it's way more intense. So Genesis 1, uh, Genesis 1-1 is, uh, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formlessness and void, and um, and it says, in the spirit of God, uh, hovered tremendously over the face of the water or the deep. Well, that word, to hover tremendously, is written in the PL, or it, t- it says hovered in English, but it's actually to hover tremendously because it's in the PL tense, okay? Mm. This is all going to connect in a minute. So mm. what happens is... The way that you could translate that from Hebrew is, in the beginning, created by God were the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formlessness and emptiness and darkness covered the face, uh, and darkness was like covering all of the waters. And it says, and the spirit of God hovered tremendously over the face of the water. And Mm -hmm. there's this moment where when you understand what it's really trying to say what you're understanding is like oh this is like in that alien movie where it's like you're out in the middle of outer space and there's that low like boom sound and you're like oh something's about to go down like you hear this rumbling in the distance it's like that that moment where it's like everything was emptiness and formlessness and void and the spirit of God hovered tremendously over the face of the water. There's this anticipation and this intensity and you're like when you're reading it in Hebrew you're like oh my gosh something's about to go down. And then it says, and God said, let there be light. And then immediately there's this explosion of creation. So like, if we don't really see it in that intense cinematic way, right, Mm -hmm. then we don't really see the intensity of the beauty of creation, the perfection and the majesty and the glory of God through creation. And then we don't fully grasp the fact that when in Genesis three, everything falls apart because of sin, we don't realize what we've lost because we don't realize the beauty and the intensity and the enormity of creation. And we don't realize therefore how everything shifts and then how like far we have truly fallen. Um, and it's not heartbreaking. We read about the fall and it's like Eve listened to the serpent and bummer. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. And now my kids fight with each other because of that. And it's like, yes, but also like, this is a really intense, intense, grief-filled moment in scripture when the fall happens that we just don't often realize how intense it is. Mm. Um, and so I think when we can start to grasp that, when we can start to dig into scripture, when we can start to understand that for ourselves, um, and there are a lot of great resources out there that can do that. Um, like this is why people get a degree in theology is because it helps us just like fully recognize the intensity and the beauty of scripture and once we realize that we're like oh now i get why it's a big deal that mm-hmm. this just happened um and then we'll start to realize so then by the time jesus comes around you know in in the new testament you're like holy cow like they didn't hear anything from god for 400 years and then jesus is born like that's crazy and you start to kind of feel the weight of the gospel we live in a world where we just don't feel the weight of things very often we don't feel the weight of friendship We don't feel the weight of relationships with our coworkers. We don't feel the weight of sin. We don't feel the weight. And and what ends up happening is because we haven't properly gauged how heavy certain things are and how light other things are, um, then we don't understand the extreme nature of the gospel, which is I once was dead, and now I get to be alive, which is pretty extreme. If you've ever seen a dead thing or experienced the death of a loved one, The idea that that thing would come back to life is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when we see that that's regularly how our life is talked about in scripture, it's like, oh, my gosh, well, that I understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that I have grieved and therefore that I can hope in, uh, you know, we can hope in the death of death and we can hope in the resurrection and we can hope in all these things because that we understand. Um, And so it's really learning to speak the language that God has spoken to us, learning to hear what he is saying and understand the weight of it, and then learning to live into that, um, I think naturally starts to happen when we realize exactly who it is we're dealing with when we talk to God.
0: Yeah. And that there's so much in that. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like, so as a listener who has not gone to seminary, yeah. How do I jump into something like that? So just for the record, you guys, she sent me a text in Hebrew before this started. <laughs> so. uh,
1: accidentally, accidentally. I recognize, well, I will say, like, I'm guessing what you're wondering is, like, where do we start?
0: Yes. So, like, for those yes. of us that that's not our, our we haven't had that training. Um, and we are we are opening the Bible. And like you said, I know so many people who do the, the Bible Russian roulette and, and, you know, put that in there and kind of pick out a verse and go from there because not meaning to, but we just don't know what we're supposed to do. So what is that first step look like for someone? What does it look like for someone that hasn't started? Maybe you're a brand new Christian or just someone who said like, I haven't really felt that kind of a connection with scripture before. And what you're talking about sounds amazing. And I want to be able to know what the actual word was and things like that. But how does that happen?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think part of it is, there are a lot of phenomenal resources out there for studying scripture. Um, so there are people who have theological background. Jenny Allen is one of these people. Um, Jen Wilkin is one of these people. There are, there are women out there who are passionate about writing about the Bible and kind of helping people dig into it. So one place that I would consider starting is with a Bible study with someone that you trust. Mm. Um, there are a lot of Bible study options. So if you Google Bible studies, a lot would come up. I think one place to start that is phenomenal. Is there's a book by Jen Wilkin uh, called I'm going to butcher it. It's either Women in the Word or Women of the Word, or Women and the Word. But like Women of the Word or Women in the Word, I think it's in the Word um, by Jen Wilkin is phenomenal. Um, there and and that kind of helps us figure out where to start. Another um, Angie Smith wrote a book called Seamless. And Seamless is a Bible study that walks you through Genesis all the way through Revelation in one seamless move. So it's like seeing how everything connects. Um, I think that those are two great resources. There's a gal named Amy Gannett, um, and I'll give you guys, like, you know, links to this or whatever, however you guys want to share that. But Amy Gannett, I went to seminary with her, and she writes some really beautiful studies. Um, And so I would say that those are great if equipped which is through If Gathering is a really great resource. Um, She Reads Truth, things like that. Getting soaked in scripture, um, there are parts of it, there are nuances of it that do feel really intense, like that whole thing I just explained to you in Genesis. But there are also parts of it, um, I think ultimately, scripture is meant to be approached by normal people. Mm -hmm. And I think something that I want the listeners to know, like y'all, I'm talking to you right now, um, is like the Bible is for you. Mm -hmm. And the Bible is written in a way that is to be understood by normal people. Um, I remember sitting in a class in seminary and talking about Koine Greek. So there are different types of Greek. There's Koine Greek, Classical Greek. Classical Greek is what like Plato and Aristotle would have written in. It was like the very academic Greek of the time. Mm-hmm. And when people had manuscripts of the Bible, it was written in Koine Greek. And they used to think Koine Greek was just like a special Greek that because only the Bible was really written in it. Mm. Um, until they started doing excavations in these ancient Greek cultures and Hellenistic cultures, and they realized that the way that Koine Greek actually showed up um, was on receipts and in personal letters and notes. And what they mm. realized was that the Bible, like the New Testament, which was written in Greek, was written in the common language of normal, uneducated people. Mm. And so it wasn't that God came down to give us the Latin and the classical Greek and the like really uppity languages that only the smartest people would have known or the most educated or affluent people would have known. It was actually written in the same language of receipts and to-do lists. Mm -hmm. Um, And and in that way, it shows the heart of God as one of wanting us to understand what it is he's trying to say, right? And I, I would encourage you guys like even in John, I think, oh, is it John? Is it John? Is it John? Or maybe it's Acts. I think it's in Acts where it's talking about maybe right around 17 where it's talking about how, how God has arranged all these different things throughout time so that we might feel our way toward him, mm-hmm. that like his desire is for us to come close. So for those of you looking for a place to start, like open your Bible. There's also a study called Open Your Bible by Amanda Bible Williams. That's really her maiden name. Uh, his <laughs> wow. Bible, which is cool. Amanda Bible Williams yeah. and Rachel Myers, who's, who founded Cheery Street. There's a book called Open Your Bible. Um, and they're really passionate about just open it, like approach it. Like there is this passage of scripture that talks about how we can boldly approach the throne of grace. So we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be intimidated. Open up to Psalms, open up to the gospel of John. Um, if you want to hear a story of the the provision of the Lord, open up the gospel. I almost said the gospel of, but it Mm -hmm. kind of feels like it sometimes, but open up the book of Ruth. Mm -hmm. Um, this, the book of Ruth is not about Ruth. The book of Ruth is about how God provided for Naomi who had lost her husband and her sons and everything she owned, And the Lord used Ruth to reinstate her in society. Mm. Like the, the stories in the Bible are actually very profoundly about normal people. Um, and so I would say, you know, number one, just open your Bible, um, start where you can start and ask, women who are older than you, I think this is something we don't do a lot, who have walked further, who just have known scripture longer, who have been reading it longer, who are further ahead in their faith walk even, um, like ask them what they love about scripture and where to start, or ask them to read with you um, to talk about scripture. Get involved in a Bible study where you guys dig into scripture, um, whether that's in your neighborhood. I have a neighborhood Bible study right now in Arkansas, and it's me and these awesome Moms. Our text thread is actually called the Jesus Loving Mamas, which is funny because like I am not a mom, but um I am in this text thread. And these women, we literally sit down and we take one topic every week, like all right, shame or anxiety or um, you know, any number of things, and then we say, Okay, what does the Bible say about it? And we just go and we look in our, you know, we look in the back of our Bibles where it has like the glossary or not the glossary, the index. And we just say, okay, where are all the Bible passages on fear? Where are all the Bible passages on hope? Where are all the Bible passages on love? Mm-hmm. And we just sit there and we talk it out together. Um, and so the other thing I'd say is if your pastor or someone who maybe has been trained a little bit formally, more formally in um, biblical studies, like ask them where to start, too. Um, and they might have some really great resources that might go along with even the sermons you're hearing on Sunday um, but you can you can do that yourself. You can dig into scripture without fear of um, of anything. As long as you're asking the questions like, what does this say? Um, and assuming that it's not just about you. Sometimes the Bible is written for other people. So like to burst your bubble, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven 11 um, mm-hmm. is about the people uh, in an ancient Near Eastern culture who are being prophesied to. Um, it does not mean that everything in our lives is necessarily going to prosper. Um, that was a promise for a specific group of people, but we tend to be like, oh, this must mean me too. And yes, it can apply, but more than anything, it's just pointing out that the character of God is one of mm. wanting his people to be provided for, but that doesn't always look like what we think it's going to look like. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's just the prosperity gospel, which is problematic. So, yeah. um, passage of scripture, it talks about, you know, in the Bible, it says, you know, that the word of God does not return void with meaning when we dig into it, we're not going to walk away, uh, knowing less about God. We might have questions, Mm -hmm. um, but starting in a place of just opening your Bible and digging in, I think it's really hard to, to massively go wrong by reading the Bible.
0: So I, I'm going to, I'm going to throw something out there because two things, uh, well, I'll start with the first one. One of the things that I'm hearing you say is Open your Bible, maybe even if you're not feeling that sort of connection. I know a lot of women who say, I I need to feel like God is talking to me right now, right? Like that, that kind of... what do you call it? Like spirit connection every time I open the Bible. Um, and I was always told because I was one of those people where I would open it and I would walk away feeling like disappointed. Like, well, I, maybe I didn't do it right because I don't feel like I did that one day when that one verse stuck out to me and changed my whole week. Right. Um, but I was told, and I love this. So to, so to use the marriage analogy, um, I was told that we show up every time we open our Bible and even when we pray and we're there to like, it's like a, we're going on a date with God, but sometimes there's all sorts of dates. So like in, when I go on a date with my husband, we have kids. Sometimes the date is like a staff meeting, um, Mm -hmm. where we just, we have to connect and we have to deal with some business first because it's just how it is. We, we haven't gotten a chance to talk. We haven't gotten an opportunity to do that. So it's a staff meeting and it's not my hope, you know, I mean, My hope is that I walk away, right, like super engaged and emotionally filled up. But sometimes the staff meeting is what's necessary. The other kind of date that we can go on sometimes is just where we honestly have to go to the grocery store. And but we just don't want to do it with kids because it's easiest. So then we're you know, we're still accomplishing something. um, But again, it's not like that that crazy date. And then the other kind of date is when it is, where we're like, everything's emotionally connecting and we've gotten all that stuff out of the way first. And so then we are able to have the dinner and the movie and the, that Connection, where then you're going home and you're intimate because you feel that connection. But that's like one in three times. It's not every time that I go out on yep. a date with my husband. But if yep. I don't go on the date, I have no chance of experiencing that. And it doesn't take away the fact that those other two dates that we go on were necessary. They were needed in order to get to the other one. But I think we forget because, you know, we, we opened the Bible, or at least I did. I opened the Bible and I kept thinking, I need to feel that type of intimate connection every single time or else I've done something wrong or God has let me down. So I love that you're saying just open the word and just, just just trust, just do it. Yeah. Even if you're not feeling that like emotional connection in it or even walking away from it, just trusting like, okay, maybe I didn't feel something even in the time that I just spent, but that doesn't mean that what I just did can't be used even in an hour or tomorrow Mm -hmm. or whenever. So I really love that. The other thing that I love hearing you say is that, this isn't something that we do alone. Like you get into no. relationship with other women and you're sitting there going, none of us really know we're all figuring this out together because that isn't that like our God is a God of relationship. So knowing that like, that's so important to just get some people together and be like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing, but let's get together and let's dig in together and let's not go it alone. And I love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, um, there is this, This very unusual thing we do, which is a very human thing to do, which is, uh, we tend to attribute to God things that, um, we think are true about him. They feel true, but they're not necessarily true. So for example, um, we'll compare him to our earthly relationships. Mm -hmm. So we'll be like, oh, well, when are you going to let me down? Or when are you going to change your mind? Or when are you going to do this? And it's like, never. Like, sorry, character of God is not the character of human relationships. Our relationships are really broken. Mm -hmm. Our relationships are just a shadow of what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, when Jesus came to earth, he felt the breadth of human emotion, right? Like, he wept, and he laughed, and he was sarcastic, and he joked around, but he also was serious, obviously to the point of death, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, but we sometimes forget that, that to be human is to feel these things. So if you base your relationship with Jesus Christ on how you feel, yes. then you are never going to be satisfied.
0: Yes. Well, and we, and I love that because we're created in his image, but we recreate him in our own image. And that's, yep. that's so just detrimental to our relationship. I love that you brought that up.
1: Yeah. And it's not about, here's the thing. When we talk about our relationship with God, I want people to understand who God is. I want more than that for people, for God to be understood by us. And what I mean is, if you are having a hard time, right, and I called you up and I was like, Gentile, how's it going?" And you were like, "It's been really rough this week. It's just been unbelievably hard." And if I was like, "All right, tell me about it," and you listed it out, right? Like, "Oh, the kids have been sick, mm-hmm. and you know, my husband and I were fighting, and whatever." This, by the way, this is all made up. So generally fine. <laughs> so like, if, you were, if you were to say, if you were to say, like, these are the specific things happening, I technically understand what's happening in your life. I can be like, "Oh." That is a lot of stuff. That is really hard. Mm -hmm. But if I'm not ready to enter into a relationship with you on an empathetic level and be like, oh, like, I bet that that's really hard. Then if you don't feel understood, then you're not really being loved well. Right. Like if you had a friend and you feel like they understand you, but you're not understood by them, Mm -hmm. then you're probably mad at your friend or annoyed by your friend or you don't want to talk to your friend. because You're like, you don't get it. You don't. And like I have my friend Andy very wisely said this to me probably about six months ago, she was like, more than just understanding, we need to seek to be friends and build relationships in which people feel understood. And so I think about, when I think about knowing who God is rightly, it's not because you just want to be right and you want to be smart and you want to know things. It's actually because you want to have such a deep understanding of God that if you were to say, hey, God, do you think that this person is remotely understand, like, do you feel understood by them? You would want him to be like, yeah. Like Mm. in any relationship we should, in any friendship, like in throughout scripture, there's this idea of being a friend to God. And it's like, we're lousy friends to God because we're like, let me tell you what I think based on what I feel. And I'm going to just like throw that on you. And because I don't hear an audible voice telling me you're wrong, I'm just Mm going to keep living my life through making you, like you said, really well, like in my own image. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that it's, it's really pausing and being like, wait, if I'm in a relationship right now, am I just trying to know stuff about God or am I trying to really like understand in such a way that God would say that he's, he's under, and you know, obviously we can't fully understand God. He is vast and infinite. But like, what I mean is that we understand who he is in such a truthful way. Um, that it means that come hell or literal hell or high water like his character is not going to change so if your character of who God is in your mind is changing then like that's probably something else going on and it it doesn't really have to do with him yeah um, because he doesn't change
0: I love knowing too that it's not all you know we can know the verses we can know all of them head knowledge but but that kind of connection of relational is so different. Like our pastor always says that if you stalked someone on Facebook, you would know the details of their life and what they had for lunch and where they were at and all that stuff. But if you didn't know them in relationship, then you're just a creepy stalker. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and it's, it's so real. Like the word in Hebrew, there's a word that it's yada, and yada means to know by experience, and a lot of the time, you'll see it yes. in, like, in a sexual way, like, you'll see where it's, like, an Adam knew his wife, and she bore a son, Yeah, right, like, it's like, oh, he knew her, which is, like, i.e., like, sexual yeah. innuendo, but that's a true phrase, right, to know by experience, mm-hmm. like, to really know, and and so you think about that kind of level of, of intimacy, and not in you know, the physical way, but in a spiritual way of like deeply, because I have experienced God, I know God. Yes. And I know him by experience, not just in my head with the ideas I have about him.
0: Mm. Yeah. Which takes time and walking this with him every single day.
1: Yeah. It takes walking it out with him and it takes, I mean, it takes confessing to one another and saying, here's where I'm at. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. And, and having people that speak truth. And the thing is. We talk about speaking your truth or, like, you know, telling the truth to one another, or whatever those things are, or speaking truth in love. Like, mm-hmm. we'll use phrases like this. But if you aren't deeply rooted in Scripture, i.e., you don't spend time in Scripture, and if you're living a life in which you don't really dig into that, then, like, that's our source of truth. Yes. So you can't speak truth to other people if you yourself are not connected to Christ and to His Word Um, you know, there's a reason that he's like, this is, this is it right here. Like, these are the, these are the things I want you to know. And if you don't know what Jesus said or did or what God's, you know, what God's character is throughout scripture, then like you get pretty disoriented pretty quick, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so going back to that level of sort of intimacy, um, it's interesting that it is used in, you know, with Adam and Eve, but how do we build that type of intimacy with, other women because one of the things that I find fascinating is that you get a group of women together and you ask them all, you know, do you, do you want like the best friend? We always say like the Anne of Green Gables friend, you know, like the, the the friend that is there no matter what and, you know, ride or die, however you want to say it. Um, and every single woman raises their hand. They want that. They crave that. They, they desire that type of relationship with another woman, that sort of intimacy outside of their marriage. Um, every single woman Raises their hand, and then you ask them all who feels like they don't have that. Almost all of them raise their hands too. Yet we're sitting there in a room with all these people being like, okay, so make friends. (laughs) But how do we attain, how do we start that type of intimacy? In a relationship with other women, because I I think every single we were just telling someone this the other day, Desiree and I. Every single person that we talked to lately has that's been the theme that's been going around. Is I just wish I could make that type of relationship with women Mm -hmm. where like what you're saying, like a text thread where I could just text them and tell them I'm struggling and it's, it's dealt with and they're all there for me and they're even if they don't know what to say they're there. Like so, how do we? Because I I love that I love seeing your posts on that and it seems like you you have that kind of intimacy in your life with your female relationships. So I'm wondering, how do you start that? How does that come about?
1: Yeah. Well, I think one of the ways is that I think we're meant to, for intimacy. Ultimately, all of us are meant with for intimacy with Christ, right? Yes. The phrase in Christ is used over 160 times just in the Apostle Paul's writings in the New Testament. So like, It's a really big theme is this idea of union and knownness and intimacy. And that's one of the things that God has given us as a desire. That is a good desire. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, our desire for intimacy is like is skewed in some way um, because of sin. Mm -hmm. Right. So, like, it's the idea of when somebody wants intimacy The ways that that might show up are codependence. Mm -hmm. It might show up in manipulation of like, I just want, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get you to give me what I want because I want to feel close to someone. Um, It's going to look like lust. It's going to look like sexual immorality. It's going to look like a lot of different things, but really all of those things are aching for intimacy, right? So Mm -hmm. first of all, we're created for it. We're created for it um, really, you know, spiritually, but also relationally, and that that can be done in a way. Um, that is good and that is holy and that is um, something that we are known by other people. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, relational intimacy, I, I want to be really careful to say relational intimacy because people would be like, what do you mean? Because intimacy is a big word. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean by relational intimacy is two people who share their lives in such a way that they know one another deeply and truly, good, bad, and ugly, and they're ready to live out the gospel with one another, by continuing to point one another back to the cross. Mm. So when we have relationships like that, my friend Tova talks about, you can have a hundred pennies or four quarters. And the idea is you go, go for the four quarters model, right? Like go after relationships where you can go deep, but it has to be fewer of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like my counselor will talk about like no more than five, five is pushing it for intimate relationships. So the first thing you want to do is not just go and be like, I'm just going to share my deep, dark secrets with everyone. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to, uh, see what happens when I share my secrets with 50 people. Like that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of it has to do with time and trust and knowing one another. I think it has to do with safety and relational safety and this is something I kind of talk about in my book is there are three things that make someone relationally a safe person the first thing is that they are self-aware okay so they're aware of their own motives they're aware of their own shortcomings to some degree right like they're aware of their mindset yeah um and second is that they have good things in mind for you and they want to see you flourish and third is kind of the marriage of the two which is They're going to act in such a way, speak in such a way, live in such a way that they are pushing you toward um, truth and goodness and the best um, possible scenario for you. They want good for you. Um, So if you have someone in your life that they're going to tell you what they think about this, but they are not self-aware or their motives are not good or they're being manipulative, like that's not a safe person. Or Mm -hmm. if there's a person who is trying to do things, but they're tricking you into something that's not really, they don't have your best in mind, um, then that person is not probably a really safe person. Mm -hmm. And so that means that we need to be wise about who we cultivate intimacy with. But that also means that, like, we have to, like, the the sort of spoiler alert is we have to cultivate intimacy with human people. So Mm -hmm. some of my dearest friends have hurt me. And that doesn't mean they're not safe. It means we talked it out and we figured it out. And in the end, I realized, no, they do have... They did have a good intention there, but maybe we just don't do it that way next time. Yeah. So really being able, I think sometimes people are like, I want to build a community and they have this idea in their heads that they're going to craft this perfect community of really wonderfully perfect people. Mm-hmm. But you have to remember you're dealing with human sinful people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, it's the willingness to go first. Sometimes as much as I hate to say that it's It's being really straightforward and going to some vulnerable places, Um, but also it's making sure that you're sharing good, bad, and ugly with people um, in its entirety. I think sometimes we can be like, well, I'll talk to you about this issue Mm -hmm. and this other person about this other issue. And so I feel like I'm 100% known, but only in sections by certain people, right? So it's like, oh, all of my stuff is out there, but it's not all with the same person, which is a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being willing to, to invest in that way and to be vulnerable and to love one another and to be healthy about it, um, you know, ultimately our, our identity, our worth, our value is in the person of Jesus Christ. And so if you find yourself being like, I can't imagine my life without this person to an extent where it's becoming codependent and unhealthy, then we have problems. Yeah. Um, but in in a healthy way of loving one another, of Um, praying for one another, of wanting good things, of reminding one another of the truth. I just think of, um, I think of a few friendships that I have that we've had hard conversations, um, but inevitably the Lord has been so gracious to cultivate in us a deeper understanding because the reality is, you know, you look at some public moral failure, um, someone who makes a really big mistake um, and what ends up happening is people are like, well, they, they should have been accountable to someone. And it's like, we talk about accountability within Christianity and and the two are similar, but very different because accountability means I'm going to come to you and tell you what I've done or what I'm struggling with. Mm -hmm. However, if we have intimacy, if you know about me, if you know the strengths that I have, but you also know some of my blind spots, then you're going to come to me and be like, Hey, how's this going? I want you to tell me the truth. And that's going to breed its own accountability, Mm -hmm. right? If we do accountability just for like the Christian model of like, yeah, just go and confess to someone else what you've done or what you're struggling with, that means that I could secretly struggle with something and not tell you anything, and you would be none the wiser. Yeah. But if you know me deeply, then you can be like, hey, Melissa, like, how's, how's that going, or how's your relationship? I was dating a guy once, and I had uh, my friend Andy, the one I mentioned before, who's pretty wise, she legit would call me randomly during this time when she knew we were together to make sure we were making good choices. <laughs> and like, it was one of those things that it's so funny, but like, It's also not funny. Like, I was like, I need someone in my life who's Mm -hmm. asking me hard questions and holding me to that. And because I trust her deeply and because I know that her intents are good, I can open myself up to that kind of friendship and to know that, like, we are all built for this friendship and it's hard to get there in our modern society, but it Mm -hmm. is possible. And it does truly change the way we see everything because now it's not just my thing. It's my community's thing. So if I'm struggling, then they're struggling. And to be able to cheer one another on, we have to be able to be like, all right, guys, like I'm broken. I have these things that I'm dealing with. But then they also get to cheer us on in our victories and in positive ways. And those are the people um, that show me the kingdom of God.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. And I love how you made the distinction between, because I hear so much, you know, be authentic and be vulnerable, but I love that you made it clear that like, there's a difference between being vulnerable with people that have earned the right to be vulnerable and going around and, and just dumping it all out. I I had, I had it told to me one time and I'm totally going to say this and (laughs) we might want to edit it out later, but, um. I was told one time that, like, those when we do things like that, when we just start thinking, well, I'm going to be super vulnerable to make friends, and we just just barf all of our, like, deepest, darkest secrets, it's like we're in public and we pull our pants down. And it's just, like, extremely inappropriate, and no one wants to see it, and everyone thinks we're crazy and doesn't want to be our friend, right? (laughs) Like, it's the craziest thing, and you're like, but it's basically what we're doing, right? Like we're pulling down our pants and we're showing you all of our privates and you don't know me.
1: (laughs) You don't know me at all. Yeah. Well, and it's that idea, right? Of intimacy has to be, like I said, out of a place of safety and truth and centered in the gospel and the identities that we have. But when we start being vulnerable for the sake of, hey, look at me, I just want someone to look at me. That's when we know something is afoot.
0: Yeah. And Um, I love, I love that you said that. And I love how you said too, like there comes a point when that vulnerability is totally in it. You know, it's, it's in its right place and that's good and we should be, but you're right. It's a, it's a very difficult time. I think in our generation or our culture or society somewhere that this is, this is a tricky line to
1: walk. It's a very tricky line because we don't have it. We don't have it clearly set before us at times. Um, We we are as we become adults we realize that the world is broken and we stop trusting people as much. Yeah. Um and it's I think that you should have a reasonable amount of concern for those things, certainly. Mm -hmm. But at the same time it's like, you know, we can actually be in relationship with one another. It can be a good thing. And um, you know, I'll be honest in in saying this and I say it because I've I've talked to, you know, my people about it, so it's okay saying it Mm -hmm. on, you know, a public podcast to the internet. But like I mean, I had a week uh, for a few weeks where it was just like I felt insecure. I wanted people to pay attention to me. Like Mm -hmm. I felt this need to like perform and I wanted to be noticed and like all of those things of like craving the affection and attention of other people. Yeah. And I knew it was there. I didn't realize how severely it was there. And I brought it to the Lord and I was like, all right. And this is literally like what I said to Jesus out loud in my car. I was like, here's the thing. I was like, I really want attention from other people right now. And I kind of don't care. Like, I don't really know if I even want to fix it. But like, I just need to say that we need to like nip this in the bud because in eight months I am launching a book and I'm really going to care what people think about me then. So like, mm. I need you to show me that you care for me because frankly, I don't feel it right now. Yeah. And like to kind of go there and to have that moment of like, oh shoot. And so it's like, I, I, I speak from a place of, like struggling myself like we want to be seen by people we want to be loved by people mm-hmm. we want to be known by people um but that does take sometimes the willingness to say oh gosh like i want all these things but i want to do this in a way that's healthy mm-hmm. in a way that's good and those people are the ones that can point you back to jesus and say like have you wrestled this out with him mm-hmm. because ultimately he is the one who's going to answer those needs and when we're satisfied in him i.e. we know that we're seen and loved and cared for by him that's what that means Mm -hmm. right like when we have that trust with him then we can walk into it but it's like woe to us if we believe we can be in good healthy communication and community with one another without first being connected intimately to christ
0: yeah that's important to remember in all our relationships i'm I'm thinking even at a time when I was in my marriage where I was just so frustrated because I felt like he was not understanding me or he wasn't paying attention to me in a certain way. And then I came to find out at a different time that, you know, he had this huge thing that he was, he was dealing with. So he was trying his best, but I yep. realized for the same reason that you're just saying that like, that's where I was trying to get filled up, where I was needing that validation, like validate me yes. right now. And yep. And it was it was not his job. And then to think later, you know, someone asked me, I had a friend ask me, like, Man, that's a lot of pressure to put on him. How would you feel if you were the sole source of his validation? And I thought, I was like, Oh. I do not want that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take that one right off the table, please. Yeah. You know, Well, and
1: I think sometimes vocalizing those things is so helpful and that's why we need other people in our life. Mm-hmm. Because when I was sitting there in the car and I actually said out loud to Jesus, like Like when I said, I want to be wanted by you and I don't feel it right now. Mm -hmm. And immediately what comes to mind is like you like you got a book deal in your 20s. Like, are you kidding me? Like, how? What do you mean? Like, I don't see you. And there was this moment where all of a sudden I was like, oh, like I was like, if I'm honest, it's not enough. Like, if I'm honest, it's not enough. And a friend of mine really wisely was like, the reason that's not enough, like the feelings and the whatever she's like, it's because it's not enough. Like, yeah. the reason it's not about the book deal. It's not yeah. about the, what, you know, us getting our mm-hmm. way. It's actually about coming clean before God. And then it's my responsibility as I steward relationships intimately to then go to my closest friends and say, this is what I just said to God. Yeah. And I just want you to be aware of it. And then they're able to love me where I'm at and push me back again, you know, toward the truth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. But is there anything else that you feel like you want to add, I, you know, before we, before we wrap up or anything that you might think is on your
1: heart? You know, I think that Jesus is real. Mm-hmm. I think, um, Amen. Mm-hmm. I think that his kingdom is, is here and it's yes. coming. And I think that when we start to see things through the lens of eternity, we start to realize what matters and what doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, we see everything through a lens of what matters and doesn't matter. And the only way that we can do that well is by knowing God and by knowing his word mm. um, and, and by really digging into the things that are eternal um, and what is built for Christ will last. Right. There's a famous quote talking about like, only what's yeah. built for Christ will last. So like, keep in mind that that's what matters, but also recognize that like, this is all like the whole, like Jesus died like literally died for us and like that the lord has moved things around so that we might feel our way toward him like he wants intimacy with you as much as 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 you want it with him Mm -hmm. right like and that it's it's a two-way street that like he desires us that he loves us that he sees us um and and sometimes that gets muddled um because we are sinful human broken people and that means we see things through a lens uh, that is not eternal, um, because we just are stuck in our here and now. Um, and, and so I guess my encouragement is if you heard all of this and you felt like, yeah, but I don't even know if I can open my Bible. I I feel like I have felt such grief and abandonment by God that I don't even want to try to make eye contact. Um, I would say to you that, like, I have been there. Mm. Like, I have had seasons of my life where I slept next to my Bible because I couldn't open it, but I knew it probably was important. Mm. Um, and it was, like, maybe osmosis sort of situation. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had months of my life when I just, I was in Bible college. I was experiencing grief, and, and I felt like God was good to everyone except for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I look back at those days of sleeping next to my Bible at night not willing to open it. And I just think, wow, like that must've broken his heart, Mm -hmm. but like he never wavered for a second, right? Like give yourself the grace to recognize that he is here for it today. And he was here for it yesterday and he's going to be here for it tomorrow. Um, and so if you find yourself in a season of, I don't know why I'm doing this, like, hold on. Um, because you are feeling the pain of, us in our current state before we get to spend eternity with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And at that point, we won't care anymore because yeah. we'll be there. But right now, the getting there is the hard part and, and um, faithfulness in small things and in obedience, even when we don't feel like it, even though I don't feel in this moment like Jesus really, really wants me, like I will continue to confess that to other people. I will continue to push into my friendships with people that will tell me the truth that he does want me. Uh, until one day I can hear it for myself, and yeah. and so even as I tell you guys these things, um, I think it's the work of the Spirit to say, yeah, like I'm I'm stepping forward, I'm moving forward, I believe these things are true, even when I'm not feeling it. Yeah. Um, it's okay to not feel it, but He is His character does not change, and He still loves us tremendously.
0: Yes, Amen to that. Thank you so much for taking time to meet with us and for um talking to our listeners and and dealing with all of our tech problems we really appreciate the time that you've taken.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for thanks for making it all happen.
0: Of course. And if listeners want to get like in touch with you somehow or just like follow you somehow, where can they do that at?
1: Um well, my website is just com. Okay. Uh and my Instagram handle is the same. I'm really bad at Twitter. I have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash it's melissa Alibar. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, yeah, I throw content out there and like I said, book launches hopefully in August. So yeah, that'll that's start awesome. popping up, start popping up soon.
0: I can't wait to read it.
1: Yeah. Thanks friend. We
0: are mm-hmm. excited. Well, thanks again. Um, and we, yeah, we're just, we're really grateful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I
0: hope that you enjoyed that episode as much as I did, and thank you so much for listening. Your tuning in each week really means the world to us. I would be so grateful if you would subscribe and leave a review before you go, and if you ever want to reach out with questions or comments, I encourage you to email us at talesofmoxy@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thank you so much again for listening, and we'll see you next week.